Our first scripture reading this morning is from the sixth chapter of Micah, found on page 816, 816 in the Old Testament of your Pew Bible. I hear what the Lord says, rise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and your enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Boar, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has sold you, O mortal. What is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. From the Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter, the portion called the Beatitudes. And uh, thank you, Chris, for taking 85% of my sermon this morning. (laughs) But that's okay, I'll do it in a lot more complicated way, so you'll be appreciated even more. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Join your hearts with me in prayer. Grant us, O Lord, listening ears, not the ones that only pick up the acoustics, but the ones that are attached to our hearts so that we may hear your word and that all that is not of your word be quickly forgotten and set aside, for you alone have the words of eternal life. Amen.
Okay, let's start with a word, <laughs> a churchy word. I didn't take in the direction of beatitude, but uh, I did decide to start with a word. The word is bless. How often do you use the word bless when you're not around church folk or anywhere near this building? Do you use the word in casual conversation? Now, some people will say bless you if, they do, if something nice is done for them. We'll bless you. And, of course, there's always that one cashier in the dollar store that has the big button that says, too blessed to be stressed. And I look at the button and then look at the stress on her face and suggest maybe we're taking it a little harder on her than we should. When you're online with your supervisor and you're reviewing the success of a project one way or the other and how it went, and all of a sudden you're told that your work and contribution has gone extremely well, do you respond, why, thank you. Your words are such a blessing to me. And you're pulled over for a traffic violation, and the officer decides to just give you a warning. Not a ticket, just a warning. Let you know lights out or, you know, go a little slower through those intersections. Do you say, thank you for blessing me, officer, with only a warning rather than a ticket? Or you're out with friends, and you're having a great time, and the evening comes to an end, and you're going to your cars, and you're all saying goodbye. Do you say, this evening has been such a blessing to me? Now, I say that, but that's because I'm paid to. And even when I'm technically off the clock, I'm on the job. So if the pastor says, it's been a blessing to see you, uh, please know that maybe seeing you has felt like work. <laughs> so unless you're hanging around Mr. Churchy McChurchface, the word blessing is not a word that we use casually outside of these walls. Yet here it is, filling this morning's gospel lesson. It is, as Chris pointed out, perhaps one of the most famous sermons that Jesus said, and probably one of the places where we've all got some reference as to what these beatitudes were. I'm getting to that word in a moment. Over and over, Jesus identifies various configurations of people and pronounces that they are the blessed ones as if we have some idea about what blessing means or what he's talking about, digging down into the root of the matter, or the English word blessed or blessed, is derived from a Hebrew word, believe it or not. And the Hebrew root is barach. To barach means to bend your knee. To bless is to bow down, to show reverence to someone else or to something. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the ordination to the office of deacon of Scott Musel. And just before we did the prayer of ordination up here with the gathered ordained elders and deacons of the congregation, I turned to, to, to him and quietly said, would you like to kneel or would you prefer to stand? Uh, having had knee surgery myself, I want to be sensitive to the difficulties of whether or not kneeling is an option. Scott, who's clearly in much better shape than I am, said, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and kneel, that's fine. And the act of kneeling was an act of his showing a bent knee, a bowed respect to the office to which we were ordaining him, to the work of a deacon, to the honor of the congregation who bestowed this responsibility and ordination upon him. Besides, as he was beginning to kneel, he said, I think I'll be able to get back up. Kneeling is the posture of someone who is proposing to another, will you be my spouse? 
when I proposed to Danny, we were at Buckingham Fountain, and her first response to my question was, get up, get up, get up, people are staring. <laughs> took, took a while for us to kind of re-engage the moment. <laughs> it is the position that an older quarterback takes when the defensive line has burst through and he's out of his pocket. He takes a knee uh, just to keep himself safe out of honored respect for the size of the defensive linebackers. So consider this morning our gospel reading, frequently referred to as the Beatitudes, which, by the way, comes from the Latin translation for, from the Vulgate, the first word of each one of these characteristics, beati, beati, which is Latin for blessed, which also comes from the Hebrew to bend the knee. So Jesus says, bow down to the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bow down to those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Take a knee when you're meeting the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Kneel before those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. Show your respect for the merciful, for they will show mercy. Bow down to the pure in heart. They will see God. When you encounter a peacemaker, kneel before them, for they're the sons of God. Bow down to those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is proposing, as Chris pointed out, a complete reversal of what we believe to be honored, respected, revered, blessed. Some kind of backwards land in which everything you thought you knew about power, everything that you believed about winning, everything you think about who truly deserves our bended knee, is somehow not what you expected. Jesus is telling us something that is more than a set of aspirational characteristics. Jesus is actually telling us something about the character of God. To whom does God show respect? To whom does God give the kingdom? Who does God quickly identify as God's own children. These are precisely not the people that we think should be or definitely are blessed. I mean, take a look at them. <laughs> they're the ones who are mourning. They're meek. They're to us. They're lonely. They're lost. They're losers. Yet if we're followers of Christ, then if we're to pass the first lesson here, the opening sermon of the curriculum of Jesus' teaching, these to us should be the blessed community. Frankly, it makes me squirm. And if we especially butt these words of Jesus up against the words of Micah the prophet that Dan just read to us, then our discomfort becomes even amplified. As the prophet Micah said, with what shall I come before the Lord? and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will He be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He told you, said Micah, He told you, mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly 
with your God. There is such a distance between who and what I consider important and what Jesus and the prophets are telling me. The important ones are the ones who can be fair, who are kind, who are humble. It's no wonder that we have to share these qualities in a space that is set aside architecturally with special furnishings in order to set aside a discriminate hour so that we can have some space in which to wrap our heads around these characteristics as familiar. Because as soon as we go outside, the world around them is going to crush them out of our thoughts. You start walking around and showing respect and honor to the least, to losers, you can bet that the world will start thinking less of you. You're going to be persecuted. Of course, that's why Jesus ends this section of the blessed ones. You're going to be persecuted. You are to be revered when people insult you. You when say false things against you and evil things against you because of me just rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for that's the way they persecuted the prophets who came before you so when we take christ's categories of honor and begin to try to live them out in the rest of the world guess what we are going to be the subject of insult and derision and persecution know that jesus and micah are indeed speaking in divine aspirational terms. Here is the standard. Fairness. Kindness. Humility. These are not characteristics that you wake up one morning and decide, you know what, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be humble. That's how I'll start my day. I'll guarantee you before breakfast, you will have completely blown it walking out these doors, running around looking for the first poor person you see so that you can be kind to them. I'm going to honor you because you are poor. You're not only going to look like a whack job, but you're not going to walk away from that exchange changed. In fact, I would suggest you'll walk away from that encounter somewhat less humble. Look how much I honor the poor. <laughs> I suggest we need to start simply humbly spend a moment think who do you know who is fair who do you know who is kind who do you know who is humble when I raise a question like this in writing the sermon, I force myself to stop and ask the question of myself. <laughs> I'm going to ask the congregation to think about this. Maybe I should spend a little time thinking about it myself. And so I raise the question with myself. Who do I know is fair and kind and humble? And I have to confess to my great sadness. It took me a while to answer that question. Not because I don't know people like that, but because I don't look for people like that. 
I don't wear my faithful glasses when I evaluate others stepping out into the world. I put on those other glasses that wants to find the person who's, who's shrewd, the person who's hard-nosed, the person who's big. And so when I focus my eyes in the world around me, I bring that same perspective into the world, not the ones that Jesus is inviting us to have. And so it took a little time to think who I know fits the characteristics of the beatified. It's hard to show honor to groups of people that we don't even recognize, right? (laughs) How do you show blessing to them if you can't pick them out? Try and put a face with each. The poor in spirit. The mourners. The meek. The ones hungering to do what is right. The merciful. The pure-hearted ones. The peacemakers. They exist, but we spend so little time kind of identifying them and being attracted to them, let alone praising them and blessing them in our own hearts. But listen what Jesus says of the characteristics of what these people shall become. They own the kingdom of heaven. They're the ones who will be comforted. They're inheritors of the earth. They're the ones who will be filled. They're the ones that will be, receive mercy. They will see God. They're the children of God. Now, it's easy to apply these terms pietistically. To say, ah, Jesus is talking to me, so when I mourn, Jesus will comfort me. When I'm humbled, Jesus will call me Jesus' own. When I make peace, I'm blessed and part of the kingdom of heaven. When I'm meek, when I'm hungering for what is right, Jesus loves me. But Jesus isn't talking about us. As my wife often says, it's not always about you. Jesus is talking about God, about God's sense of valuation, about a way to look at the world to seek out the characteristics that God adores. God is not describing our innermost selves. This is not an invitation for pious devotion to make ourselves more like them. It is an invitation for us to see the world through the eyes of Christ, inviting us to see whom God calls us to bless. Start looking and find those whom God commends, those who God says are blessed. It's a good place to start. Amen? Let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty.
from thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of